Welcome back to Business Christmas. I'm Nicole. And I'm Kat. And we're coming to you from Brooklyn, New York, where we just finished watching uh, the Netflix original A Christmas Inheritance. Um, This movie was recommended by a friend of mine, and Kat has also seen it before. Uh, I had not. And I have to say, you know, when it started... I wasn't immediately not on board the way that I was with Christmas Festival of Ice, which was just garbage from the beginning. <laughs> but this one went... Guys, this is going to be an angry episode. This is, this is, an, this is an angry episode. <laughs> this is now your warning if you don't want to hear it. I am angry because this movie quickly deteriorated into garbage. <laughs> Garbage. Like, I'm sorry, Netflix. You have a budget. Go hire some actual writers. This is terrible. Like, they spent all their money on actors and then had nothing left over to right. actually write the film. And, like, not stock New York photos. Right. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to watch A Christmas Prince again to cleanse my palate because that was actually a good movie. This was, like, like we were saying, oh, maybe it's so bad it's good. But no, it's this is just bad. So I think there were two things that colored my opinion of the movie the first time I watched it. Um, one is that I'm pretty sure I was drunk because otherwise I don't know how I got through it. <laughs> and um, the other is that I actually am 99% sure that I did not watch through to the end the first time. Because the closing scene, which we'll obviously talk about a little bit later was brand new to me. So, um, so which just, could also just be cause you were drunk. <laughs> I know, I know. But I really think like I just didn't watch it because I was tired and then, I was and like, it this wasn't movie an isn't interesting good, movie. So I'm not going to continue watching it. Yeah. I, I, I just forgot I was, that part. I was pretty excited after Christmas Prince. I was like, Oh man, maybe Netflix is yeah. going to like really win this market. And well, nope, nope. So I remembered that it was bad. I guess I just thought it was more along the lines of so bad it's good and unfortunately I think this movie was just bad yeah yeah so so I guess we'll dive right in yeah let's um, talk about the so actual we, movie yeah you know, how we, much we hate it we start in New York City and we're at some kind of gala charity function uh, for Toys, Toys for, for Tots. Tots was the beneficiary I'm not sure what the actual event was uh, and there's this crazy lady who seemed like she might matter, but is really irrelevant for the rest of the movie, Is like doesn't come back. But she's asking everyone, have you seen Miss Langford? Have you seen Miss Langford? Have you seen Miss Langford? In a really kind of creepy, weird, annoying way. And then she gets she goes up to this guy, and she's like, have you seen Miss Langford? Where is your fiancé? And she's like giving him a really hard time, and he's like on the phone texting I think and like ignoring her completely and just talking to himself and like almost like he was playing a video game and he's like boom that's how you close a sale now what are you asking me about and they both were just kind of really weird in that moment (laughs) um so so this crazy lady ends up like walking into another room and we sort of we then see our main character um Ellen Ellen yeah yeah. I don't even care about this movie enough to remember her name Ellen um and she basically is like has bet someone that she can do a bunch of cartwheels in a row and there's all this press looking around and she's in her party dress and does these cartwheels 
with cute matching red underwear underneath mm-hmm. so you don't see anything. And the guy gives her, like, a check for the charity. And then he goes, oh, wait, I'll actually double it if you can, like, vault over those presents by the Christmas tree. So she does it, except the crazy lady comes in while she's, like, mid-handspring and throws her off so that Ellen, like, crashes into this Christmas tree that comes tumbling down. But, like, overall, she's, like, being perfectly adorable and raising money for this charity. Yeah, she did raise money for charity. She didn't do anything embarrassing. I think you were supposed to think she was drunk because they showed her doing a shot, but, like, she she didn't even seem drunk at all. Um, And she was doing things for the right reasons. She was just kind of, like, I don't know, having some fun. So then she falls into the tree, and the tree comes down, and the next day we find out that she is... Sorry, I wrote down, this is already dumb at that moment, (laughs) and this is the opening sequence. Continue. Okay, so the next day we find out that she's on the cover of the New York Interpreter Mm -hmm. newspaper, Mm -hmm. and she has been nicknamed the Party Heiress. Yeah, and... Like, just to reiterate, she wasn't being, like, a crazy partier. It didn't make any sense. Like, she wasn't wasted. She wasn't, like, making out with strangers. She wasn't, like, doing anything that embarrassing. So I didn't really understand any of that logic. Um, no, I agree. Again, she's raising money for Toys for Tots. Yep. Pretty admirable. Mm Mm-hmm. And her dad, like, flips out. I wrote he's overreacting because he's giving her a really hard time about, like, not being an adult. And I don't know. I just... Well, to be fair, she is supposed to take over. So the idea is that when he retires, which is impending, um, she is supposed to take over as CEO. So his position is basically that she needs to conduct herself in a way that's more appropriate for the CEO of this major corporation, which is called Home and Hearth Gifts Company. Um, I will say throughout the movie, it's pretty unclear exactly what kinds of gifts they create. Right. Are they like, are they like a home goods? Are they like a toy manufacturer? Like you don't really get any details. Yeah, they just like Hallmark where they have like a contract with Precious Moments. I kind of think it is like like Hallmark, but they don't say that. And yeah. it's really confusing. But she's supposed to take over, and now that's kind of being called into question because she's this party girl. Yeah. Um, so she goes to lunch with her dad, and she sa- she kind of falls on the sword and says, I really want to prove to you that I'm not just a party girl. And he's like, okay, so what do you want to do? And she's like, oh, I She didn't don't actually come know. up with an idea. She wanted him to basically tell her. Yeah. So he's like, okay. I have an idea. All of our buyers are these small town folks. You need to go deliver the Christmas letters to Uncle Zeke, which we find out is his business partner that he started the home gifts business with. And every year they write each other a Christmas letter and one of them hand delivers it to the other one. And then they kind of send them back and forth. And they've got this like history of all the most important moments of their life in their Christmas letters to one another. Um, so he basically says, you can go do that. Um, but then what happens off screen is he's made all these rules about how she's going to deliver them. So we find out that she, uh, only has a hundred dollars and he's not letting her bring credit cards. Uh, she can't use her real name. 
He's bought her a bus ticket, not a right, plane no ticket. Um, which is kind of cool because then they go to Port Authority, which, like, you grow on along with her because Port Authority is it's the terrible. worst place on Earth. <laughs> the absolute worst. Um, so, so she's got this whole, like, agenda now to go um, deliver these Christmas cards. And I don't know, it was really kind of strange to me because Dad is, like, trying to teach her a lesson. But I didn't really – first of all, I didn't think she needed a lesson. And second of all, I didn't really understand the lesson because – she actually had plans with her fiance for Christmas and now they're totally like destroyed. And I just, I'm not sure that like backing out on plans with your fiance is really like the right message. Yeah. To send. Is that, does that showcase a better set of values than like, you know, like how is it better for you to go to a small town for the holidays than it is to spend time with this person that you're supposed to be committing to for the rest of your life? Yeah, and that's a really good point. Yeah. Um, So she gets on the bus. She does not know how to ride a bus. She doesn't know how to ride a bus at all. Which, to be fair, buses are the lowest form of transportation. (laughs) But saying that as someone who has taken the bus many, many times, Mm -hmm. I know you have as well, Kat. Um, So she's like, she like asks this woman where she's supposed to sit, and the woman's like, oh, you just sit. She asks where the call button is, because she really wants someone to serve her a glass of wine. And like, if that's what you're expecting on your bus trip, you have a long bus trip ahead of you. But, so she leaves New York City to go to this place called Snow Falls. Yep. But we don't know where Snow Falls is, right? Very unclear. So maybe she's on the bus like four hours, maybe she's on the bus four days, no one knows. It's north. I think that was the safest thing we can say <laughs> is that it's somewhere north of New York City. Yeah. Um, so she gets off the bus in Snow Falls. And I do think it was a pretty long trip because she gets off and it's daylight. Mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And it was night it was when night she when got she on left. the bus. You're right. So, um, so she, the guy who, um, the bus driver gets takes her luggage off and puts it to the side. And she is going to so he leaves he leaves her stuff next to the bus then he gets back in the bus she can't tip him because she only has a hundred dollar bill and that's supposed to last her the entire trip so um he is a little annoyed with her and then he gets on the bus and she goes out and says merry christmas and then she realizes she hasn't said it back so she runs up to the door to say merry christmas to you as well or whatever and in the meantime some guy carrying a christmas tree knocks into her luggage and sends one of her um, suitcases rolling into the road where it is hit by a, a taxi. And this is one of the more ludicrous parts of the movie because this suitcase just rolls through this sidewalk cover or street, I guess, covered in snow like like it's ice skating. And I'm sorry, but like... I pull my luggage and it doesn't move that well. And this was just like, oh, it got a little tap and now it's like that luggage is moving. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and it gets hit by a cab. So um, all the stuff falls on the snow. The ground is covered with snow. Yeah, so all her stuff is like ruined in the snow. And then the cab driver gets out and it is Jake Lacey. With the worst haircut you've ever seen. With a horrible haircut. He is a very attractive man. I don't know. I can't ever decide if I'm into him or not. I think he is cute, but I can't decide if I like... He is super cute, but not with that haircut. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a really bad haircut. It was not a good look. Um, And so she... He's kind of... I forget what he says. He yells at her about the suitcase, right? 
Or they I have some know. kind of little tiff. Yeah, it's not important. At any rate, she's like, oh, I'll just call another cab. And then he's like, I'm the only cab. And so he ends up driving her back to the inn. And then we find out that he's actually the inn manager. Mm-hmm. So this is the inn that's owned by her uncle Zeke, who's her dad's business partner. He makes this super dick comment to her about the fact that she has, like, that New York look. Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, you, you must be from New York. And she's like, how do you know? He goes, oh, that look. And I did not appreciate that. Yeah, he's just kind of uh, terrible about New York in general. Uh, and we'll find out why. But actually, it's not even really a reason why. It's just that he's a dick. Um, yeah. So, okay, hair terrible. So they're at the hotel, and he's checking her in, and she finds out that Zeke is gone. Yep. So she's there to meet him, and he's, like, nowhere to be found, and apparently he's just one of those guys that, like, disappears and doesn't tell you when he's coming back, which doesn't really sound like a way to run any kind of business that I'm aware of. Maybe that's why the other guy's the CEO, and he's just, like, the partner who's chilling up in Alaska or wherever. It's not Alaska, but True. So, so he's gone and she's like freaking out and she's like, no, but I'm supposed to meet him. Can you give him my name? And then she ends up kind of making up this fake last name in the moment because she's not allowed to tell anyone that who she is because she's not supposed to get any special treatment for it. Right. So her real name is Ellen Langford or Ellie Langford. And she tells them that her name is Ellie London. Yep. Um... And then I think she talks to her dad on the phone. Yep, she talks to him on the phone, and I didn't pay attention to that. It was, like, more of the same. Like, she's, like, kind of complaining to her dad, and he's just like, oh, well, this is an important lesson. And I I wrote down, like, what is the lesson here? I don't understand this lesson. Like, she wasn't being such a spoiled little rich brat that she needs to be taught, like, small-town values. Like, they did not set that up the right way. No. Like, you didn't have any reason to not like her or think that she needed a lesson. Um, and then, basically, he just, like, pretends that there's interference and static on the phone and the line goes dead and hangs up on his daughter, which, again, I didn't really like. Yeah. Um, okay, and then the next thing I have is that uh, um, Jake... Lacey, who's also, his character's name is also Jake, takes her to dinner mm-hmm. at the diner. Yep. So the diner is basically the restaurant in town. And the, um, so on the way to the diner, they walk by this homeless man. And um, Jake Lacey says hi. The man's name is Baxter. And he, I think, gives him some money and, and uh, he says, oh, did you – she doesn't give him any money. And so after they walk away, she's, he, uh, he says to her, like, oh, didn't you bring your change with you? And she said, yeah, I did. But my fiancé always tells me not to give money to the homeless because they – it's actually kinder not to give them money so they have to get a job, basically. Yeah. Um, and so Jake Lacey is like, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it was pretty – I mean, I understand the schools of thought around, like, it's better to give it to a homeless shelter. It's better to give it to institutions that are going to help people yeah. versus giving it straight to the person. But that's not the argument that no. she makes. The argument she makes is it's better because it forces them to get a job. It's like, yeah. <laughs> well, how are that, – we could go down that road for a long time. Yeah. Um, so she doesn't have any common sense, I think, is the key takeaway from that. And she's just kind of parroting dumb shit that her fiancé is saying. 
Yeah. So then we meet the proprietress of the proprietress proprietress of the um, diner, which is called Debbie's Diner Cafe. Debbie's Cafe. That sounds right. And she is none other than Andy McDowell. Um, And so we find out a few things um, in that meeting. One, right away, Andy McDowell is, like, trying to set up Ellen and Jake. She's, like, shipped them already. She's like, oh, you're here on a date. Done. Oh, a cute girl is in town, and Jake is miserable, and... And, But also, like, I'm sorry, don't you think that if your nephew... Oh, and Jake's her nephew. If your nephew, who's, like, you treat like he's your own son has met a woman and is going to bring her to a diner to meet you, you probably know about that in advance. Yeah, exactly. And instead it just felt like she was kind of like needling him and like, Oh, make this a date. Yep. Totally. Um, and so Andy McDowell at this point does not know who Ellen is, but she mentions to her that she, um, used to date Jim Langford, who is Ellen's dad. Um, so it turns out that they dated for a year, I guess, senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. And then basically he just, based on the story, he just dumped her as soon as he met Ellen's mom. Right. And then, but yet Andy McDowell has no hard feelings about she any was, of like, this. She was like totally on board. And still like remembers Ellen's dead mom fondly and like whatever. Um, it's yeah. ridiculous. Um, so we also find out that there's like a big dinner with Santa that they do in this mm-hmm. town the night, uh, before Christmas, I guess Christmas Eve is what it's called. Um, and they do this big dinner with Santa every year that is some kind of big deal. We find out later it's for charity, but I don't think they go into it in that much detail. At um, this point. all I wrote was something Santa raised money for charity. Oh, okay. So maybe so they, they do mention it. All right. We were clearly really invested in that scene. So somehow she also, oh, she also finds out from Andy McDowell that he was, wait, does she find out from, oh no, she knows from their earlier conversation that he had been to New York. So yeah, so they, he had been to New York, um, turns out Mm -hmm. he lived there for a while and she says, so, you know, what brought you back to Snow Falls? And he basically, like, runs away. And I thought it was because of her question, and I guess it partially was, but what the real reason was, was that Silent Night came on the jukebox. Yep. And this is a triggering song for him, and he freaked the fuck out and runs over and is, like, beating up the jukebox. Yeah, he's pretty much beating the shit out of that jukebox, trying to get the song to stop playing. Yeah, which we find out has to do with this horrible breakup that he had in New York, but... Basically, it was ridiculous. Andy McDowell comes over and is like, can you, like, please stop beating up my jukebox? Also, that chick is real cute. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Um, anything else important in that scene? I don't think so. <laughs> or any scene? Um, Other than this is a stupid movie? Yeah. Yeah. So later we see um, we see Ellen kind of meditating in her hotel room, which is a giant hotel room. The biggest hotel room I've yeah. ever seen, period. Um, and she has, she's got like an under eye mask on. Um, and then carolers show up outside the window. <laughs> Your favorite. Uh, I really don't like carolers <laughs> or Christmas songs. I, mean, I think we talked about the lack of love for Christmas songs last time. 
Um, so it logically follows. I also do not like carolers because they sing Christmas songs um, <laughs> and ruin your dinner. Uh, so the carolers show up and she, Ellen's actually like kind of charmed by it. Um, and then she like, she's standing by the window watching them and then she goes to get back in bed. And I think she's reading Pride and Prejudice, although I couldn't really get a good look at it. I mean, it's not really important, I guess. But so then she, she like has her toes under her feet under the cover and she like screams because she feels some kind of animal under the covers. And Jake shows up at the door and knocks on it. And he was there weirdly fast. Yeah, he was there it was within like, he was like three seconds for her yeah. to scream. So she goes and answers the door and he's like, what's the problem? And She's like, there's something in my bed. And so he pulls back the covers and finds that there's a faux fur colored or covered hot water bottle under the sheets. And that's what she thought was an animal. Um, and he obviously is like really, his like disdain for her is just like palpable at this point in the movie. He's really like not amused by any of her like inability to just function as a normal human being outside of New York City. So which... I think he is amused, but mm-hmm. not in a charmed amused way, oh, yeah, but yeah. in a like you're a fucking idiot yeah. kind I, of okay, way. Fair. That's a better way of saying it. <laughs> yeah. Um and so he explains to her what it is and what why a hot water bottle is. But, like I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Like, would he put the, would they put the water in it for her and stick it, right? So, like, no. even if they had it as, None like, a nice thing in your room, they would have it somewhere where you could see it and choose whether to use it or not. Correct. Um, it was a fairly pointless scene. As yeah, well. it was. Period. So, the next thing I have is the next morning at breakfast, we meet Captain Williams. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he's the captain of. And it's not important. Like, good ship lollipop. I have no idea. Yeah, I we don't know anything about him other than his name, pretty much. Yeah, and he's a dick. He's a dick. So he's mad that there's whipped cream, not clotted cream, and, like, throws a little hissy fit about it. Yeah. He's also super irrelevant to the movie as well, and I yeah, don't know why we know him. I think because he's a dick twice, and then he's kind of nice later. Okay. I'm, so, like, eye-rolling real hard right no, now. No, I know. He's not... He's not... He does not serve any purpose There's no reason. No. Yeah. Um... Okay. And then her boyfriend calls. That's the next thing I have. Okay. At this point, I went to answer the door because my okay. seamless order arrived. So <laughs> you, go, you go ahead and oh, That explains this. why I have more notes. <laughs> um, so the her boyfriend calls, or fiancé, I guess he is. His name is Gray, which I actually like as a name. But, you know, versus Jake, I think it's very telling. And Gray is like, I have been trying to call you all morning. Why aren't you picking up the phone? And she explains that there's no cell service, which she just really cannot grasp that there's no cell service. Um, and tonight is his office Christmas party, and he had planned to make an entrance with her. And she's like, I have to stay. Uncle Zeke is not here. I can't come. I, like, really have to do this thing. And he goes, fine. Well, I guess Karen will be there, so I won't be bored. Who's Karen? And she goes, that's what she says. She goes, who's Karen? And he goes, Karen from accounting. Oh, man. (laughs) And it made me think of the John Oliver meme where he's always showing someone from accounting, and I hope it's Karen, but it's like, it's like a recurring joke on John Oliver, and I don't know if you know what I'm referencing or not, but. 
Oh yes, okay. So I do like, know. Yeah, Karen yeah. from accounting, and then she's got like her arms crossed, yeah. and she's. But it's. It, I don't think it's Karen, but the way that they said it in this movie, it was kind of the same thing. Um, and so so basically, she realizes she has to stay, but she can't stay because she doesn't have any money left, and she spent most of her hundred dollars at the diner cafe the night before. So essentially, Jake offers her a maid position because the maid called out that day or something. So they're going to go like clean the rooms together mm-hmm. and that's how she'll earn like room and board. And he kind he takes pity on her as like a charity case of yeah. like, and he actually jokes about how she doesn't believe in charity. Yep. Um, but you know, basically says I'm willing to, to help you out. So they go to this room that has been trashed, like no room I've ever seen. And they had to clean it to turn it over, I think. But it doesn't make any sense because there's, like, a bra and a shoe hanging from the Christmas tree. And, like, these people have just left stuff everywhere. And also, it's, like, really not the kind of hotel where you rage all night. So I don't know how it was this trashed in the first place. I feel like it's it looks like one of those... It looked like a fake crime scene. Like, if you murdered someone in your who you lived with... And then you wanted it to look like a burglary. Like, that's how you would mess things up if you are a really stupid person. Yeah. That's kind of what happened with that hotel room. 100%. Um, so, the, so that, so they, they happen upon this room and he's like, all right, cool. You start in here. I'll, I'll be over here. He gives her a vacuum. Um, she, it's one of the, this movie's weird because it keeps, I feel like it keeps trying to insinuate that she that she's just this useless rich girl. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the stuff that they're trying to use against her in that way is, like, not really her fault. Like, he gives her this vacuum cleaner that's from God knows what decade. And, like, it gets... So she accidentally vacuums, what, a pair of boxers? Mm-hmm. And they get sucked all the way into which the chamber of the vacuum, never which would never happen. happen. So, like, that's something wrong with this vacuum, that it, it is capable of doing <laughs> that. And then the vacuum basically explodes and dust goes everywhere in a way that also would not ever happen. Yeah. But um, also, I mean, to play devil's advocate, bitch can't strip a bed. Like, she fair. could not take the covers off the bed. That's pretty lame. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Um, so, uh, so Jake Lacey hears this commotion. He opens the door. He finds the entire room, including Ellen, covered in dust. Yeah, and, which is pretty gross. And then she tells him, "Oh, you know, I'm actually a baker. So it's too bad you guys don't have a kitchen, or you could put me to work on something that I'm actually good at." And then he's like, "Well, we don't have a kitchen, but..." Debbie's cafe does. And so Andy McDowell is now tasked with putting Ellen to work in her kitchen. Yeah. And so the first task she gives her is to separate the eggs. And Ellen clearly has no idea what that means and just like stares at the eggs for a while. Andy McDowell goes back out into the restaurant and she looks at this photo of Ellen's dad, Ellen's mom, and like three-year-old Ellen. And realizes who she is and that she's not Ellen London, but she's Ellen Langford, the daughter of her high school sweetheart. Yes. And at this point, I was like, would you put a photo of your 
ex-boyfriend from high school who you clearly are not over. Um, that's a recurring theme in this movie. Uh, and his wife and child, like, up in your restaurant? Because I wouldn't. Um, I don't think so. Like, I don't... It was pretty weird. So she comes back into the kitchen, and uh, Ellen has not done anything with the eggs. So Andy's like, don't worry. I know. I, I know who you are. I will help you with this. Yeah. Um, and then Andy McDowell also tells her that Jake, um, the reason why Jake is, uh, like, the reason why he came back from New York ultimately is that when he lived in New York, he was engaged to a Wall Street broker. Uh, no, sorry. He was married to a Wall Street broker. Mm-hmm. Um, and after a year of marriage, she left him to go be with one of her rich clients. And that's why he hates rich people from New York. Uh, and the sound Silent Night came on after, and that's why he hates the song oh, but or did something. Did we find out that, or did we find out later I when... Don't know. I feel like he told her that later, right? Because it doesn't make sense for Andy McDowell to, like... I don't know. I kind of stopped paying attention because this movie sucked so yeah. much. Okay, well, let's keep moving through it. Um, <laughs> okay, so then... So uh, then... Oh, Andy McDowell tells Ellen, like, she doesn't want to see Jake get hurt because she's like... I know that you guys are in love, even though neither of you believes me. And and they just met. And so Ellen's like, I'm not here to hurt anyone. I'm just here to learn. Um, but again, it's like pretty unclear what exactly she's supposed to be learning from these people other than that small towns are more important than New York City. <laughs> unclear. I don't know. Um, so then it turns out that the weather forecast is kind of scary it's going to be really cold it's snowing pretty heavily big snowstorm coming um, and then um the there's a, one part of town that has lost power and they start moving all of these people into the inn yeah i guess they they started with the shelter with the homeless shelter mm-hmm. but ran out of room there so they bring like 10 people to come stay at the inn and everyone, all the guests at the inn start sharing their, offering to share their rooms, including Ellen. She welcomes this young mom and her daughter and baby um, to stay with her. And, well, yeah, and I don't know if it was before that or after that, but she kind of can't believe that Jake is just, like, welcoming these people in at mm-hmm. first. And... He makes this comment of, you know, you can't leave anyone out in the cold. And she kind of gets this look on her face, and Jake goes out to get firewood. That's, like, actually a major plot point. Continue. Sorry, I missed that. So Jake goes out to get firewood. The sheriff goes back out to save more people. I don't really know. And then she decides she's going to head back out into the cold and kind of sneaks out of the house. And she goes to get the homeless man that we met in the beginning, named Baxter. And brings him back to the inn. And Jake kind of freaks out at her because he's, like, super, super mad that she went out in the cold without him and without really telling anyone. I think she mentioned it to Andy but didn't, like... She didn't explain where she was going. Right. So Andy thought she was with Jake the whole time and she wasn't. So he, like, freaks out on her, which I guess is how you know he cares. Um... But she's done this really wonderful thing by bringing this homeless man to the inn so he can be warm overnight. Yeah, so she did that, and then she and she did that wearing heels, which is really dumb. But I think based on this movie, 
every scene in this movie, she doesn't have any shoes that don't have heels. No, I think it's all heels. Yeah. No boots. She's like, no one has... Like, how do you have that little common sense? Um, I don't know. Like, you would need boots in New York City, by the way. We get snow here. Like, it's... Well, it was better than a Christmas Prince Converse. Fair. Fair. Okay. So then she welcomes that young family to stay in her room. She ends up giving up her... So this is stupid, because at first she's like, oh, you guys can have my couch. Like, there are three of them. It's like a mom, a daughter of, like... I don't know, how old do you think the daughter was? five. Yeah. And a baby. Like, they're not all gonna, like, fit on this couch. You have, like, a queen-size bed. And then she's like, oh, you guys should take the bed. But she realizes this, like, when they're about to go to sleep. Way later. Yeah. Um, And I wrote, this rich lady has to do basically nothing to be considered a good person. Like, she does, like, basically common sense things that anyone else would do. Oh, there's a homeless man who's freezing outside. Let me go get him or, like, make sure that something, that someone brings him in, essentially. Yeah. Oh, I offered you a spot to stay. And I am one single person, and you are a family of three. Oh, I'll give you the bigger bed. Like yeah. You take the bed. I'm so generous. Is, I know. None of this is, like, particularly, like, over-the-top altruistic. Nope. Um, so they, they get settled in the room, and she kind of sneaks back out. And she's going to kind of clean up downstairs, although everyone's already asleep. Um And she notices that there's this door ajar off to the side, and she goes and sneaks in and sees Jake, and he's there um, kind of painting charcoals, charcoaling, whatever the verb is for charcoals, um, creating these charcoal paintings. And it's like, oh, my God, he's an artist. They're terrible. Yeah, they weren't very good. terrible. (laughs) At this point, you wrote, you you said while we were watching the scene, why don't they ever get good artists to do these movies? They really don't. I mean, like, are they just telling the actors to create the art? Are they not even hiring real visual artists? <laughs> these are to actually come in? Jake Lacey's original <laughs> charcoal sketches. You know, I would buy a Jake Lacey original. I would charcoal too. Sketch. Yeah, actually, that's fine. That's. I mean, that's a different thing, though. <sighs> um. So. They have this conversation and about the artwork and he kind of, he's been planning the fundraiser for the Santa dinner with Santa and it's not really going well because he's been too busy with the storm and everything to really get, um, silent auction donations, which is like four hours. The storm just started. Like, like there was no several hours of a storm and like, you're just you're Sorry, just it's two dis- days till Christmas. Yeah. You should already have been looking for so silent action items. So basically, just being disorganized and then pointing to an unrelated cause. Yeah. Well, then, the storm is so bad that it's knocked out power in certain places, and there's all these extra people that are living at the inn for a couple days. And he suggests, in the middle of the fucking night when everyone's asleep, that they go for a walk. So Jake and Ellen go for a walk in town, and the streets are perfectly clear, and the sidewalks are perfectly clear, and I just don't understand what this big storm is that made it impossible for him to run his silent auction and caused all these homeless people to come stay with them. And now they're like a minute later, they're just walking around outside like everything's fine. It didn't yeah, make, it does not any, make sense. any sense. That said, I did write Netflix knows I like when guys ask to go for walks because they did this in A Christmas Prince as well. Mm, they did. And I remember and it was very romantic, then. and I definitely commented on that episode as well. Um, 
Oh, and so then on their little walk, we get the full story from Jake Lacey about what happened with his ex-wife. Um, so he's like, I don't know why I was ever, I ever thought it would work out between us. She worked in finance and I was a struggling art student. Um, I was like, I don't really see why that's necessarily proof that you didn't make sense together, but okay. Um, and then he tells her about Silent Night. Um, and basically they had been out for a romantic dinner. They were eating seafood risotto and she told him, oh yeah, I'm leaving you for this rich dude. And then Silent Night came on and that's why he can never hear Silent Night or he needs to go punch a jukebox. <laughs> um, yeah, I wasn't listening to most of that story when it happened because I wasn't into it. I mean, it's not a good um, story. And and so they end up at the end of the story at these fucking ice sculptures. <laughs> Nicole was really mad when this happened because it was giving her flashbacks to Christmas Festival of Ice, I'm which was still, our most recent episode, but, like, wasn't a good movie. I am still bitter about Christmas Festival of Ice. Well, because we both thought it was going to be really good, and then it was not good. I had high expectations. Similarly Same. with this, I had high expectations, and it was not good. Um, so I'm wondering if there's an ice sculpture theme that we need to maybe consider yeah, not just including. Clara. Forward, I did write that these ice sculptures were better than the ones in Christopher, Christmas Festival of Ice. So maybe they got Joey Ice on this. Yeah, maybe. Um, and then they have this, like, super cheesy, sappy moment where I guess he maybe, like, thanks her or is, like, touched by the things she did for all these people that night between the homeless guy and um, giving the family a place to stay. But, you know, he says something cheesy and she, she's like, you taught me that some things matter, which is the biggest throwaway line. Okay. Some things matter. What, but what things? Uh, What? Like it doesn't, I, such garbage. Um, and then they're like about to kiss. And I actually thought they were going to kiss because, it's not a Hallmark movie, so right, they're, allowed they're allowed to do to. that. And it was, like, a very sweet moment, actually. Um, but they, she ends up remembering at the last second that she has a fiancé and pulls yeah. away. Yeah, so he actually asked her, is this the part where we're supposed to kiss? And she says, I think so. And then he leans in, and then she's like, wait, no, I can't. Yeah. It was kind of cute. Yeah. It would have been cuter if they kissed. Um, even though she would have been cheating on Gray. Mm-hmm. But he gets worse and worse as the movie goes on, yeah, so you yeah, stop caring if she would cheat. Do not care. Um, so they have this, like, super awkward goodbye, and then she gets up the next morning, and she is, like, has a plan and is super motivated. So she goes to see Andy McDowell at the cafe, and they start making thousands of gingerbread men. And then she... Drives around town, which we were surprised that she drove, considering what a little princess she is. And she, like, we were grew shocked up in Manhattan. That she knew how to drive. Like, she can't strip a bed. So, like, driving didn't really seem like it'd be in her skill set, but it was. And so she takes these little gingerbread men cookies around to different local businesses and sweet talks them all into donating a whole bunch of stuff for the silent auction. Um, yep. And so she then rolls up to the inn after she's collected all these gifts and Jake sees her and is really impressed. And he gives her this big hug that lasts way too long. And as he is hugging her, 
a car pulls up, another car pulls up, and it is her fiancé, Gray, who has driven up to collect her, essentially. And um, Gray, I forget exactly what he says, but he's kind of rude to Jake Lacey. And then um, Ellen says, oh, he doesn't mean to be rude. That's just kind of the way he is. Like, I hate when people do that, when they, like, excuse shitty behavior because, like, oh, that's just how that person is. Yeah. If I behave that way, then people would make me change. So why don't people – why don't Right. Those why is it a different set of rules just because that's how they are? Yeah, exactly. Well, okay, then we can all be like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. Um, so then the next thing I have is that she is – she's, like, feeding people cookies in the inn. Mm-hmm. And there's the guy who's like, oh, I'm from a family of pastry chefs, and these are the most delicious Christmas cookies I've ever had. I, like, barely know what you're talking about, because I was so sick of yeah. this movie by then. Um, um, I know that she and the boyfriend got in a fight, and he yells at her, you'll never be one of them. Oh, mm-hmm. I missed that part. Oh. <laughs> I guess I zoned out, too. Um, so they, yeah, they get in a fight, which is why he ends up going to the bar, Oh, and yeah. she stays and is, like, reading through all the Christmas cards. Yep. So she's reading the letter. She's crying. A little girl comes Well, in. we have to explain. So there, oh. she had all the letters from between her dad and her Uncle Zeke that she was there to deliver, and that was the whole purpose. So she starts taking them out one by one and, like, reads each card and starts crying um, because they reference her dead mother. They reference, like what a promising person she is and all these things. She has this like, yeah, super emo moment. And then the little girl who's sharing her room comes in and has this sweet moment where she tries to cheer her up. Yep. Um, and then the next scene is that we go to the bar, mm-hmm. which I guess is, I don't, I don't think we've seen the bar before. Yeah. I think the bar is new. <laughs> so, um, so Jake sits down and then gray is a couple of stools over from him and Gray says, it's the innkeeper. And then Jake says, it's the fiancé. And Gray has a martini at this point. Yes, he does. Jake orders Jack on the rocks. Just kidding, no rocks. Which, like, he's in such a shitty mood that the fiancé was in town in general and now is, like, here at his bar. Yep. Um, so they are just, like, trading barbs at one another and the fiance ultimately is like, well, I got to hand it to you. I never thought that Ellen Langford would be, you know, making pastries. And Jake's like, but she's a baker. Wait, you just said Langford. And basically the fiance totally blows her cover. Mm-hmm. And somehow this sets Jake off into the most unwarranted blind rage that you've ever seen. Like, I guess I understand, like, he's a little upset because she lied about, like, who she is, but he flies off the fucking handle like there's never been a worse betrayal, like she's Judas. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Everything from here on out made no sense to me because he just was filled with this blind rage towards her and was so mean to her and was never like, hey, why are you here pretending to be someone else? He just, like, loses his shit. 
It doesn't make any sense. This movie's fucking stupid. Yeah, it does not make any sense. Um, And so I wrote, why do these movies equate any form of deception or withholding information as being, like, as bad as whatever the person who last wronged that person did? Like, in his case, it's, like, the reason why he's so triggered by her behavior is supposedly that, oh... I was betrayed by my ex-wife or whatever. Did they say that though? I feel no, like I think you're, that was you're like, like, like jumping. I feel conclusion. like it was heavily implied. Like I didn't that think that's, so because he. I felt couple, like I felt like you are trying to be very generous. A couple of times he says things like, "Oh, he said fooled again." That's why. Mm. That's why. That's what it was that made me think that that's what it was about. So he goes fooled. He like mutters under his breath, like fooled again. But it's, like, it's not like she's like. Stealing from the town. No. And, like... She just spent her day running around getting donations for their silent auction that he was supposed to do. Right. Like, she just saved your ass and probably made your charitable fundraiser, like, way more successful than it's ever been before. And the end the end game with that is to donate money to people who don't have a lot of it. So, like... She did... Yeah. Like, she did nothing wrong. Yeah. And, like... He, he could have been, he could have approached it in a way that was like, hey, I'm really upset that you lied to me about who you are. And she could have explained everything then. But he just flew off the handle at, like like she had just murdered his mother. I, it didn't make any sense to no, me. No, it, it didn't. And, and it, I just wrote this is stupid and I didn't take another single note the rest of the show. Okay. So let's (laughs) speed through the part where he's just a dick for no reason. So he continues being a dick. um, And she checks out to go. She has to go to, basically they have to drive back to New York and then go to the airport to go to Maui, she and Gray. So she asks him to take the box of Christmas letters and deliver them to Zeke when Zeke gets back. And Jake refuses. He says, we're not responsible for valuables. And these Christmas letters are really valuable to a lot of people in this town, which makes no sense. What did that mean? That didn't mean anything. Oh, my God. It's terrible. And how did he know what they were? Like, it is this box of letters that goes between Zeke and Ellen's dad. Like, it doesn't make any sense that he even knew what they were. No. Um, I I mean, mean, maybe they use it as, like, a marketing thing. And she, like, maybe... But I don't. They don't show that some anywhere. Content Again, you're like, being very generous here. I'm making like, shit up, but um, and she she realizes that like he now knows who she is, and she doesn't quite know how that happened. Right. Yeah. So um, she gets in the car with Gray. She takes the box with with her because she's just gonna have to messenger it from the airport. Um, and then. So they, they kind of hit the road, and I forget which of these two things happens first. First, she realizes that the most recent card is missing. Oh, yeah. She realizes... I didn't even write that down, and oh. that's kind of a major plot point. So, yeah. So she realizes that the most recent card is missing. She's like, we... She starts singing, we should go back to Snow Falls, and Gray's like, no, we're going to miss our flight. And, and she's like, this is the one mission I had. Yeah, like, only I have to go back and find do. this card. Also, you think he would care a little bit more since the end game of this whole thing is to make her CEO of the company. And he's obviously the business boyfriend in all of this. And, like, all he cares about is business. But he, all he cares about he is feels his own like, career. But he fair. And also, he probably is, like, noticing that she's getting a lot more Christmassy versus businessy. And he probably doesn't like that at all. Yeah, not at all. So that's one thing. She realizes the letter's missing. 
She, she wants to go back. He says they can't go back. Meanwhile, Andy McDowell back at the inn finds Jake and he is sitting in a room by himself listening to Silent Night. Oh my God. Which is absurd. so pathetic. Why would you listen to a song that just makes you miserable and reminds you of your failed marriage? It makes you like beat up jukeboxes. Yeah. It was really weird. I, yeah, I didn't get that. So, so, so basically in the car, she freaks out at Gray and is like, gets out at a gas station Mm -hmm. to leave and decides she's going to take the bus back to town. And now she knows how to ride the bus. Well, and she does like look up and see that there's a bus labeled Snowfalls. So she does, she sees that before she decides to get out of the car. Um, so then she takes the box. She leaves all of her, like, stuff. Yeah. I don't know what happens to her stuff. Yeah. She's, I guess. Does it go to Maui with um, him? I don't know. Unclear. So she leaves all of his, all of her suitcases. She grabs the box of letters. She gets on the bus. Goes back just in time. Gets back just in time for the Christmas Santa dinner thing. Which doesn't seem to involve dinner, but okay. Um, and it's Christmas Eve. Uh, she shows up, she sees Jake and I don't know, they've exchanged some barbs. She told, or he says some dickheaded things to her and she's trying to be nice. He is so unnecessarily rude to her. It's like, she just came back. Clearly she had a change of heart about something. And she has to like show him that she doesn't care what Gray is doing by showing him that she's no longer wearing an engagement ring. Yeah. Um... Okay, and then, meanwhile, on stage, we have Santa come out, and he, it turns out, has this year's Christmas letter. So he starts reading it, and for some reason it takes her this long to put two and two together. She's fucking dumb. The guy playing Santa is, in fact, her Uncle Zeke, who she's been trying to find this entire damn movie and I have to say, like, she hadn't really been looking at the stage until he starts getting into the letter, but I don't know. I still feel like when he came out, she would have glanced up and been yeah, like, that's agreed. my Uncle Zeke. I thought it was really, like, unlikely that she didn't notice until halfway into his I letter. Agree. So basically, the letter that he's reading is this whole story about how she's going to become the new CEO. Um, so it's a letter from her dad, Jim to Zeke saying like, my daughter's going to take over as CEO. Uh, I'm sending her to the town to like learn how to be a person, be a person essentially. So that's why Zeke has been evading her the whole time because it was all part of this master plan that frankly isn't clearly delineated in that letter anyway, I didn't think. Um, and then of course the dad surprise, he's there too. Um, which is great because, you know, Andy McDowell has been obsessed with him since high school. And I don't know how old exactly Andy McDowell is, but that's a few decades. Yeah. I mean, I feel like she has just been waiting for this moment since high school. It's kind of like this weird sort of Miss Havisham type thing where she's just been kind of like waiting for him. Yeah. Like you get the sense that she never moved on with her life. Right. Which is actually really sad. And I just... It's also pretty unbelievable. Like, Andy McDowell is a beautiful woman. Right. And, and she's super nice. Debbie Her character's awesome. super nice. Yeah. yeah. There's just no way in any universe that she wouldn't have ended up just marrying someone else. I don't, well, she's obsessed with this guy. I, I guess, guess she never fair. moved on. 
So of course, uh, Ellen sends her, sends Annie McDowell over to like dance with her dad or whatever. And, um, I didn't, I don't even remember like what exactly happened, but she and Jake made up. Yeah. He comes over and asks her to dance. I don't know why. I don't know why he's suddenly <laughs> not, mad, he not mad anymore. Oh, because he heard the letter, and so now he knows that it, she was she wasn't allowed to tell him who she was. Right? Maybe I don't, I know. don't think. I that's don't my think best so. guess. I actually don't think that that's the right answer. But no, I don't. I don't, either, I don't have a, the right answer, so movie, I'll accept it. In a movie without plot holes, that would <laughs> that could be a potential answer, right? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So they end up dancing and what's cute is he repeats the line from earlier when they didn't kiss of, you know, is this where I'm supposed to kiss you? And she says, I think so. And this time they actually kiss. Yep. And meanwhile, up on stage, (laughs) Andy McDowell. So Andy McDowell joins the actual singer who's up on stage and they start singing fucking silent night. This like like sultry Oh my god! It kind was of country so version. Bad. I don't know. It was really bad. It was bad on like eight levels. Like, like the 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 orchestration was terrible. Neither of the singers no. was good. And also, they're singing this song that is triggering for Jake. Yes. And now Jake is dancing with Ellen to the song. Yes. It makes no sense. It's like unless they're trying to like short circuit his brain so that he only has good memories associated with it. Now, I think like, my brain short circuited. <laughs> um, and then the other thing that I, I was thinking because of how bad the song sounded, I started wondering, so did you ever watch Designing Women? Obviously. The greatest show. Okay. Excuse me. So you know how um uh why am I blanking on her name? Dixie Carter is like a was sorry was she passed away a few years ago was a staunch republican in real life but her character was a democrat and so every time she made some kind of liberal leaning speech on the show she had it written in her contract that she got to sing a song in exchange for that and oh my so, god I didn't um, know that so that is what I was thinking when I was watching Andy McDowell I was like she's not a good singer why are they letting her sing and I was like oh she probably just like agreed to be in this movie if and only if they would allow her to sing a song <laughs> sing at the, the worst end. version of Silent yes. Night ever heard totally oh um gosh. and then that's kind of the end of the movie right like is there anything do we work out like how are they going to have their relationship if she's... Because I think she has to run the company from New York. It's not like... There are no details given about the they future. They don't even... They don't have, do they have a factory in Snowfall? Like, what is... Do the, they even have a factory what at is this the company? Role, what is the role of Snowfalls in this company other than that it's where all the people are from? Uh, nothing. I... Like, we don't know what this business does. Like, is it a store? Is it a manufacturer? Like, we don't know. We know that the two people that founded this business grew up in this town. But, like, what the hell else does the town have to do with it? And, like, why are the letters of value to the townspeople? It makes like, no sense. Oh, my God. Like, I I just... They, it's not like when we watched the Larissa Olenek one where there was, like, the toy factory that everyone in the town is employed in the right, toy factory. that makes sense. Okay, That's I understand why this is important here. to your town. I don't understand why this totally separate business is important to this mm-hmm. town. It makes zero sense. This movie is stupid. Everything about it is stupid. I'm really mad that we just watched it. 
Yeah, I mean, I think you didn't like the movie. I'm getting that impression. <laughs> I just want that hour and 45 minutes back in my life, which was an hour and 44 minutes too long. I was just going to say, also, um, this movie was just too long in general. Way too long. Like, like not enough happened. At least half an hour longer than it should have been. Yeah. Stupid. Um, okay, so I guess that uh, is, I mean, it's pretty clear how we both felt about this. <laughs> movie a christmas inheritance i mean watch it if you want uh yeah <laughs> so next time on business christmas we will be talking about the candace cameron movie switched for christmas so we're going back to hallmark for this one um after the movie we just watched i think nicole <laughs> is not going to be willing to watch another netflix original for quite a while i'm a little traumatized so here's the description for switched for christmas Estranged identical twins decide to swap lives up until Christmas Day. So I've never seen this one before. I'm pretty excited to watch it for the first time. I think, Nicole, you've seen it, right? I've seen it, and I have to say, two Candace Camerons in one movie is all right in my book. Yeah, it really can't get much better than that. So catch us next time on Business Christmas. Bye. Bye.